Hey, I'm Stephen Hovatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10:15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. I bring you glad tidings of great joy because Mary Joy just told me there is children's worship. So if you have a three or four year old that would like to go with Mary Joy into the palace of fun, you should go now. It's like watching the Exodus. with less blood. Come to Jesus. That's it for today. A simple phrase or maybe a simple image. Something to hear, to receive, and if you have the imagination for it, something to see. Here at the threshold of 2024, on the last day of 23, all I have for you is a simple phrase, an invitation. Come to Jesus. That's my closing statement or maybe my parting shot. You can think of it as the end or you can think of it as the beginning. The alpha or the omega makes no difference to me. But today, I've got no intellectual sermon for you. I've got no academic treatise prepared. All I have for you are these three words. Come to Jesus. Come, fall down at his feet. Can you see yourself there? Can you see yourself at the end of this last moment, at the beginning of this new moment, can you see and picture yourself at the feet of Jesus? This is a word for those of you who are here for the very first time and a word for those of you who are making your 200th trip to Central. It's a word for the young and it's a word for the old, for the rookies and the veterans. For those who have been here for the whole story and who are just hearing the once upon a time of the beginning of a new story, whether you've been here for years or for minutes, all I've got for you today are the words, come to Jesus. Come and see yourself at his feet. Come and see yourself fully reliant and dependent on him without abandon, throwing yourself at his knees. What you find there is a collective people. 
find there all sorts of stories of the Gospels. You'll find uh, the leper who comes at the beginning of Mark chapter in the first chapter. You find a leper that comes to Jesus and in this, has this stigma, a disease that won't allow him to be a part of the community. And yet he, with incredible audacity, throws himself at the feet of Jesus and asks to be healed. And the Lord Jesus reaches down and touches him and completely changes his reality, reorders his universe. You'll find all kinds of other characters there, some that knew themselves to uh, have all kinds of power and authority, like one of the Roman centurions, a soldier who had people under his command, and yet when someone of his household was sick, he had no way to deal with it, no way to rescue and save this little girl, except for to find Jesus and to come and to throw himself at his feet. And say, Lord, I get it. I know what it's like to be in command. I don't know what it's like to be under someone's command. If you wish, you can make her well. You'll find the person who was not yet called Saint Peter, a humble man named Simon who found himself somehow in Jesus' orbit, found himself hosting a Jesus party one day, and the next thing he knows, his mother-in-law, who was sick in the back room, is healed and has uh, got up to kind of help run the party. In the next chapter, in, in Luke 5, Simon is doing what he does. He's fishing. And at the order of Jesus, he... Uh, finally goes, you know, casts his nets on the other side, this whole thing, and catches this crazy amount of fish. So many fish that his, his boats are breaking. Peter, recognizing that he was in the presence of something different, sacred, holy, in the presence of someone that doesn't, wasn't like every other warm-blooded human walking around, Peter falls down on his feet amidst the fish. And he says, oh Lord, you've got to get away from me for I'm a sinful person. Jesus, in this moment of Peter's humility, raises him up. And tells, sends him on a mission. Tells him that from then on he was going to be someone that wouldn't just fish for fish. But he was going to be someone that would fish for people. Took this person who was recognizing in humility his own faults and his own problems. And said, you are just the kind of person I'm looking for. At the feet of Jesus you'll find a woman who in her desperation of a long-standing illness that she could not get relief from, even though she had been to every doctor in town. And some of you guys know what that story feels like. Finally finds herself in the middle of a crowd of people who are following this person of power. 
And she reaches out and she touches his cloak. And when she does, she finds herself, she knows herself to be healed without a word or without anything having happened. Jesus, in this sea of people, stops the whole thing and says, whoa, whoa, hold up. Somebody reached out and touched me. And the disciples are in this moment and they find that to be ridiculous. They're like, we're in a huge crowd of people. Like There are hundreds of people that have been touching you, right? And he says, no, no, I felt power go out of me. What a weird thing, right? Jesus is like a holy light socket in this story. You just touch it and something happens. He stops that whole thing and he says, no, I know. I know that somebody touched me. And I wonder about the purpose of this story. Like, what's the point of all that, Jesus? For this person had already been healed. The problem was already solved, right? But the story wasn't completed until that moment where when she heard herself being called out, she falls at his feet and says, it was me. And then she receives not just the power of healing, but she receives a word of grace, a blessing from Jesus. All through the Gospels, you'll find at the feet of Jesus all kinds of people, people that thought themselves to have it all together or people who meet that description of uh, Brennan Manning who said that the gospel is for people who are shaking knees and he says for people whose cheese is falling off of their cracker all the time. What a great description of those disciples that come to Jesus as ragamuffins knowing that they're not there because of their great accomplishments but because of their great need. You'll find people who were possessed with evil spirits, whatever that meant. Find themselves controlled by dark forces that were beyond their own desire or will. Found themselves to where they were out of control in life. Evil, running the show. And yet, you'll find them there. Somehow making the journey And finding themselves at the feet of Jesus, crying out, saying, we tried everything else. But maybe you can help. At the feet of Jesus, you'll find disciples that think they know what's going on until they don't anymore. You'll find every story And not only in the Gospels, but if you look hard enough and you read through the lines of that book, Acts, that we studied together in this last year, you'll find people at the feet of Jesus in that story too. People like a jailer in the city of Philippi, or, you know, random people that used to be idolaters, you know, people that worship these pagan gods in the city of Athens or in Ephesus. You'll find people who were healed just like in those gospel stories and you'll find people that are trying to figure out what this God is really up to in the world. 
If you look around here in this room, you'll find that as you come to Jesus, there will be all kinds of crazy folk on their knees in front of you or with you. People who are bankers and people who are lawyers and people who are plumbers and people who are electricians and people that don't define themselves by their work. Mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. People who have things going on and people that got a lot of trouble in their life. You'll find people with scars and wounds. You'll find people who are still actively bleeding from the trouble they're suffered. You'll find people with all kinds of trauma and you'll find people with all kinds of despair. And you'll find people with hope and healing and all of them will be gathered there together at the feet of Jesus. You'll find people that feel so different than you. And if you hang around long enough, you'll find out that you've got something in common too. Something in common that drew you with them to the feet of Jesus. It's not a clean place at the feet of Jesus. It'll litter all over the place. Over here on this side, you'll find a stack of trash. You'll find a whole big old pile of sinful junk that people, when they came to Jesus, said, I've got to throw this here on the ground too. Despicable stuff, awful stuff, hurtful stuff. Not just the taboo things that sometimes we think of are sins, but the subtle ways in which we inflict harm and trouble on each other. A whole big old pile of knives that have been bloodied up with the wounds of their brothers and sisters. But not only will you find that stack of sin and a pile of trash, you'll also see a pile of trophies to match. Things that people took great honor in until they came to Jesus. And that stack of trophies is just as high as the stack of trash and about as useful. It's all the things that create these pretentious made-up identities that we want to preserve. A stack of trophies and a stack of trash. But not only that, you'll find here at the feet of Jesus all kinds of other things too. You'll find the hurt that people have brought. The things that people, other, others have done to them, whether knowingly or not. I know that in this place, in this house here today, I know all kinds of people are bringing a lot of hurts with them. And I know some of you are walking around carrying that stuff and saying, what do I do with this pain? And you can fill in that blank with whatever you want it to be or whatever you know it to be. And sometimes we're real clear about where that pain comes from. It came from this moment when this person did this to me. And it hurt then and it still hurts now. What do I do with that? And if you're in that place where you're holding that kind of pain today, bring it to Jesus 
And that's not the same as flipping off a switch. That's not the same as saying it won't hurt anymore. But the Lord Jesus will carry it with you and be present with you even as you suffer and as you hurt. And I don't know why some people's suffering gets turned off and they're released from it and other people have to carry it for a long while. It is a great mystery even for those of us who are people of faith. But I do invite you with that pain, bring it and come to Jesus. And some people don't carry the pain of what has happened in the past, but they carry the anxiety of what might happen in the future. And because of whatever reason, some of us are just wired that way. Some of us have this, this running dialogue in our heads of all the what might happen or what ifs. And the same thing is true about all of that anxiety as about all of those hurts. It's not as though coming to Jesus is a magic switch that turns it all off. But even as you come, he will be present with you even in those worries and those fears and those anxieties. If you have all those things churning up inside of you, the prescription is the same. Come to Jesus. As Peter's letter says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Some of us come and our hearts are burdened not by our pains or our traumas or by our anxieties, but some of us are burdened by a deep sadness that we just carry. And again, sometimes it's just the chemicals up in our heads, right? And sometimes it's the things that we've experienced that have thrown those things out of whack. Come. Come with all of that to Jesus. Not because he's holding a magic wand, but because you need his presence in your life. You need the presence of the God who will see you in all of that, in your hurts, in your worries, in your sadness. And he will still hold you in his loving embrace. This is our Jesus. Come to him. Bring it all. There's no need to act like you're not carrying that stuff. There's no need to pretend like it's not a part of your life and something that's weighing you down. But bring it all. Jesus doesn't come only hasn't come into the world only for those who have gotten their life completely spick and span. What he says, his invitation is come to me all you who are what? Heavy laden or heavily burdened who are carrying all the junk. And he'll give you rest even into the depths of your soul. Jesus bids us come and speaks to us and says, as we come to him, his burden is easy. So come. Come, all ye who have joyful hearts. And come, all you who come with the cloud over your heads. 
Come you who make it so easy and act like the, you're a party walking on legs. Some come, you guys, that sometimes feel a little bit more Eeyore-ish and aren't really sure if you belong or not. Come. Come. These are the words. And this is the image. Can you see yourself with all that you are and all that you carry? Do you have the imagination and the boldness of heart to see yourself now at the threshold between a year gone by and a year to come? Can you see yourself in this very moment coming and bringing it all to Jesus? Don't wait for it to make sense. Don't wait for the knot to be untied. Don't wait to feel like it's all right. Come. Come to Jesus. What if, what if this was the year what if this was the year that all of the stuff that you carried was laid at the feet of Jesus? What if this was the time, the turning point, where you said, from here on, I will fully depend and rely on on Jesus. What if this was the year, which is to say, what if this is the month? What if this is the week? What if this is the day? What if this is the day where in a definitive way you say I come to Jesus in all that I know and sometimes I get all nerdy and academic, and sometimes I like to pour over the difference between the prepositions and the, uh, the different clauses, the adjectives, or between the, the places where all the, all the verbs go just right and the different things that the Greek or the Hebrew text has to say uh, in this old story. I love to fiddle around with the way the narratives are constructed and the different sorts of prose and poetry that ends up in these books. But every scrap I've ever learned, every bit of nerdy academia I've ever poured through, all of it in the end finally boils down to this simple invitation. 
Come to Jesus. This is a word for those of you who are far off and for those of you who are near. It is a word for my friends and my brothers and sisters and my old buddies and my new pals. It is a word for the strangers among us, for the old and for the young, for the people who have been here for years and for the people that are just here on your first day. The word that is today's sermon is not a one-time thing. It is the same kind of thing that I hope you hear in every sermon that you ever hear when you come here. It's the echo that rolls through this building. It is the drumbeat that keeps driving on the rhythm of our lives. In the midst of all the chaos and the problems and the brokenness and the hurt and the suffering and the pain, I hope you hear above all of that a common chorus, a common refrain, a simple invitation uttered over and over again, sometimes with words, sometimes with hospitality and kindness, A simple invitation. Come to Jesus. For without those words and without that image, all else that we do is playing a game. But the invitation to Jesus is to come and let the entirety of who we are, be reoriented, deconstructed, and rebuilt to be placed in full trust and reliance into the hands of the one who loves us deeply from the inside to the out, for the good and the bad. So I don't know if I'm putting the end, the last piece of punctuation on 2023, or I don't know if this is really a sermon for New Year's Day. But I know in this moment, I know that for me, and I believe that for you and for you all, all I want to say today is this, come to Jesus, fall on your knees before him, entrust him with all that you are, for he is good and faithful and loves you deeply. Let's sing together.